You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. Welcome back to Experiences Unexplained. My name is Jesse Clark, and I am the host of this show. If this is your first time here, I'd like to say welcome. On this show, we talk about anything strange, unusual, or simply any experience that you may have had that just can't be explained. This episode is episode 14, so there are 13 other episodes that you could go back and listen to if you desire to. In the earlier episodes, I talked about my personal paranormal experiences growing up in a haunted house in my childhood home, and I also had my brother and my sister talk about some of their experiences growing up in our childhood home, and I've even had some of my friends and family, including my wife and my best friend Marcus, come on and tell about some of their stories. So if you enjoy this episode tonight, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to those other episodes. And as always, we are currently looking for new submissions of stories and personal experiences that maybe you, the listener, have had. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, there still haven't been any phone calls received on the hotline yet. And this hotline does cost me money monthly, and it's pretty high price, so if I don't start getting calls soon. I might just hold off and take the phone line down for now and just take story submissions through my email. 
But for now, the hotline is still up, so if you just want to call this number and tell your story, all you have to do is simply leave the voicemail explaining what happened to you, and then that voicemail will be recorded and can be featured on the show. The number for that hotline is 1-270-290-0900. Or if you're nervous about talking on the phone or don't like having your phone call recorded, you can record your story on your cell phone and simply email me the audio recording at experiencesunexplained at gmail.com. I just have one favor. If you decide to call in or record a story, please ensure that the background is quiet and you're in a quiet environment while recording. I would hate to receive an awesome story and not be able to feature it on the show because the recording audio quality would be bad due to some loud noises in the background or just poor connection. Also, there's an opportunity to submit your story just through email and typing out your story, and I can personally read your story on the show. Again, the email is experiencesunexplained at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website at experiencesunexplained.com and click the Submit Your Experience tab. And of course, just like every week, I will have all the details on how to submit your story and experience below in the show notes for this episode. And while I'm on the subject of the show notes, you will also find a donate link in the show notes. If you're enjoying this show, but you don't have a story to submit, but you still want a way to support this show, this is a great way for you to do so. As I mentioned, things like the hotline and the website and the web hosting and the media hosting to get the podcast on Apple and Spotify, plus when you add the cost of internet and recording equipment, these things start to add up. And I am certainly not one of the Rockefellers. So if you have any extra money, I know times are tough, and you would like to help support this show, all money that is donated will go directly to supporting the show and helping it stay on air and continue to grow. And quickly, I would just like to thank all of you that have reached out either on social media and liked our page or our posts and content or have shared this podcast and left a review. I want to thank everyone who supported this show so far. I have to be honest, if it wasn't for you guys, I probably wouldn't have kept this show going. If I felt like I was just talking to myself, I probably would have only had like three or four episodes and that would be it. But because of your all support and continued listens every week, I know there is an audience that actually wants to hear me ramble on about weird stuff in a microphone. So thank you everyone for listening. So now with those announcements out of the way, let's get on to the topic of tonight's episode. Depending on where you're listening from, this legend or this creature or cryptid might have a different name. In the Pacific Northwest, it's often referred to as Sasquatch. In Nepal, often referred to as Yeti. Deep in the south, in the wetlands such as Florida, it's often referred to as a skunk ape. And in Australia, they know it as Yowie. But probably the most commonly used term for this cryptid is Bigfoot. This cryptid is a bipedial ape-like creature that stands usually around 8 to 12 feet tall. 
It can differ in color from a dark brown reddish color hair even to like a white depending on location. And oftentimes there is a foul or pungent smell that's associated with a Sasquatch sighting. In fact, that's why this cryptid is often referred to as a skunk ape in the South because there is a belief that this creature gets this foul smell from living in the swamplands of Florida in the South of North America. So what makes this creature so special? Like, what's the big deal that people are seeing in an ape-like creature all over the world and in North America? The strange part is that there are no native primates in North America. However, 30% of all of these Sasquatch or Bigfoot sightings take place in the Pacific Northwest of North America. Depending on who you're talking to about Bigfoot, you're going to get a different response. This legend or cryptid is a very divisive topic. Either people are 100% skeptical of Bigfoot's existence or people are either like diehard I believe in Bigfoot 100% and I have a story and I can tell you about why he exists and I have to be honest with you all I don't know where I stand really on this cryptid I personally haven't had any experiences of my own but I have heard Several people tell some very convincing stories, but at the same time, there have been a lot of hoaxes that have come from this legend and people just trying to get their five minutes of fame. You know, when you think about Bigfoot, one of the classic type of evidence that you see of Bigfoot is these big, huge, like two foot long footprints that people will put like plaster in the ground and make a molding and a casting of this huge two foot long footprint. I'm not saying that all of these footprints that have been molded or casted and used as evidence are faked. I don't know that. I'm just saying it doesn't seem like a hard piece of evidence to try to fake. I feel like if someone really intended to and really wanted to, they could make or fabricate their own like fake Bigfoot foot impression into the ground and then take a casting of it and say, look, I saw a Bigfoot. But I have heard stories from people, eyewitnesses that say they've had encounters with this species and they've even said it's become violent towards them. Upon doing some of my research, there was even a man that claimed that one of these Sasquatch species or Bigfoot actually uprooted a tree and threw it at him. And you have to have some crazy amount of strength to just uproot a tree out of the ground and throw it. But I've also heard of pleasant encounters that people have had with these creatures where Nothing bad happened and they didn't feel threatened. In fact, while I was doing some research and kind of learning how this legend came to be and how this story started, there were a lot of Native American tribes that had different names for this big 
ape-like creature that they encountered out in the woodlands of North America. And depending which tribe you talked to, they had different outlooks on this creature. In some of the Native American cultures, they have written oral legends about this primate-type creature. And in some of these legends, the animals are sometimes more human-like, and other times they are more ape-like. One of the tribes that heavily populated the western coast of British Columbia had a legend about this creature, and they said that she spends most of her time protecting her children and sleeping, which is why you hardly ever saw her. And in fact, the name Sasquatch comes from Halkamelium, a language that was spoken by several First Nation people that occupied the Upper Northwest into British Columbia. And there was actually an archaeologist and author named Kathy Moskowitz Strain, and she is the author of the book known as Giants, Cannibals, and Monsters, Bigfoot in Native Culture. And she spent a lot of time with these native tribes and asked them about the legend of Bigfoot and wrote this book about their outlook on this creature. And she said that some tribes really love Bigfoot and they have a great relationship with him. However, with other tribes such as the Mawaks, he's an absolute ogre, a monster and something that's best left alone. She even went on to say that while she was spending time with these native tribes, if they heard something strange or something strange happened, they would actually blame it on a Bigfoot. So the belief is pretty strong with these native tribes, and this is what I feel like how the legend probably originated and was passed on through people's experiences and exchanging stories. In fact, when I was trying to do research and figure out where this legend originated from, it was a little hard to pinpoint exactly, given that there's different areas of the world that have different names and legends for this creature. And who's to say that the Bigfoot in North America is even the same creature as this Yeti of Nepal? But it is quite strange that people seemingly all across the world are seeing this huge gigantic bipedal ape-like creature where there shouldn't be any sort of primate creature in the area. Like I said before there are a lot of stories that are associated with this Bigfoot legend that on the surface they look like really incredible encounters and stories but later on the people that fabricated these stories ended up coming forward and saying, you know, this was a hoax. Upon doing my research for this episode, I came across a story that happened in 1924. It's kind of a famous story. It was a group of prospectors that were settling down in a cabin along the shoulder of Mount St. Helen in the state of Washington. And they claimed that they were attacked late one night by a group of ape men. And this was a group of prospectors that had been working in that area for over several years. And they had built this cabin themselves and had been living in the area and claimed that they had had run-ins and had even shot at one of these hairy ape-like creatures before. 
But when it comes from these stories from prospectors in the 1920s and, you know, they're competing for gold, they're getting drunk on whiskey, they're hanging out, you have to kind of speculate, you know, how true is all the details in these stories and what parts of it is maybe some of the whiskey doing the talking. The moment that this legend became pretty well known in the North American region was in August of 1958 when a man known as Jerry Crew spotted some giant footprints in the mud in Northern California's Six Rivers National Forest. Crew was a tractor operator and was working in the remote wilderness at the time when he stumbled upon these footprints in the mud and they were 16 inches long and to his eye they appeared to be human-like. And when Crew discovered these footprints it became a national media sensation. These news reports immediately started coming out and speculating all of these things of whether it was a hairy ape-like creature and even introduced the term Bigfoot. And for decades, there became a flooding in of Sasquatch and Bigfoot sightings. However, like I mentioned, there's quite a few hoaxes that are involved in this legend, and unfortunately, this becomes... An example of that in 2002, when a man named Ray Wallace, who was a member of Crew's work squad, died at the age of 84. And when he died, his family came out and said that it was a secret the whole time, that it was a hoax, and that Ray Wallace had actually made these oversized footprints with a set of carved wooden feet and that Ray Wallace was actually the Bigfoot, and it was a hoax the entire time. And this right here is why I struggle with this legend and this cryptid. You know, I haven't had a personal encounter or experience to make me a full-on believer, and when you start digging up the history of this tale and where it came from, you start to see a lot of these hoaxes and... There's more stories, it seems like, of disingenuine encounters versus the legitimate encounters. If there really is an ape-like bipedal creature out there that's 8 to 12 feet tall and roaming North America and Canada, it would be a shame that its entire existence is often questioned just because of some of these bad eggs and these people are just making up stories just to get their five minutes of fame. And speaking of five minutes of fame, Sasquatch actually got a minute of fame on film in October of 1967. I'm sure if any of you all have ever done any sort of research on Bigfoot or Sasquatch or tried to find some kind of video evidence or proof that this creature exists, You've probably seen footage from the film known as the Patterson-Gimlin film. And this footage is from the encounter of October 1967 that I was referring to. And I will have this original footage from this encounter with Bigfoot down in the show notes. But the original footage is around three and a half minutes long. 
but the part that you all are wanting to see is actually around the last minute mark. The first few minutes, you'll just see men riding horses. They're hanging out by this creek in California, and they're riding their horses, and you just see the men filming the horses and the fall foliage. And then in the last minute mark is when the video starts and cuts back, and they grab the camera because they saw this Sasquatch or Bigfoot. They were riding their horses alongside of this creek and they saw this ape-like creature standing on two legs across the creek from them. So they grabbed their camera and again, this encounter was in 1967. So the quality of this video and footage is not all that great. And to make matters worse, you'll notice in the beginning part of this Sasquatch footage, you'll notice it is extremely unstable and shaky. And that is because the filmer, when they saw this Sasquatch, they were looking through the camera and making sure they were getting it on camera and actually stumbled upon some rocks and the footage is super shaky in the beginning. But alas, there's finally a moment of stable recording as the bipedal creature is walking away from the camera and she actually looks back at the camera and you'll see this creature look back. But like I said, the quality of this footage is not all that great and zoomed in so you can't make out all the features of the face and all that of this creature. They keep the camera rolling as they follow this creature up along the side of the creek bank, but she eventually walks off out of view, and that's the end of the footage. Now, some people have speculated that this footage was faked, and it could just be somebody in a costume, or maybe a bear with mange or something, but I have to tell you, I was looking at all possibilities while doing research and I was watching clips of bears walking on their hind legs and while comparing the two videos of both the gimlet footage and footage of bears walking bipedially, I don't think it is at all a bear. Maybe I will link a video of a bear walking bipedially so you all can compare the two But when looking at this footage, you can tell that it's not a bear. When a bear is walking on its back two legs, it kind of just keeps its arms bent and its hands are kept close to its torso. And that is not the case in the Patterson-Gimlin film. Whatever this creature is in this film, it is walking with a very loose gait and kind of swinging its arms at its side and just walking very loosely. And I have to tell you all, during my research, I probably watched like 10 different videos of bears walking on two legs, and they all walked the same way, just holding their hands close to their torso in front of them. None of them walked with their arms loosely dangling beside their body. So I think it's fair to rule out that this was definitely not a bear that was captured in this film. But that doesn't rule out the fact that it could be a human inside of maybe a ape or a gorilla costume. And given the quality of the footage and how old it is, I don't think it'd be that hard, given that it was filmed at a distance and zoomed in, to kind of fake a costume and make it look somewhat believable. 
However, in order for that to be true, you also have to believe that these two guys that were out just riding horses and filming in California were set out to accomplish this goal of faking a Bigfoot sighting, catching it on film, and wanting their lives to be revolved around this one Bigfoot sighting. There are definitely people out there that just want a moment to shine, and it's definitely not out of the question, but it's not very likely for these guys to pack up their horses and all this equipment and camera equipment in the 60s and go out there to California in this national forest, film some innocent footage of them riding horses out in the wilderness, and then all of a sudden cut to this video clip of this creature that they saw across the creek bed from them. And whether or not these guys set out to accomplish this, this film and footage ended up becoming probably one of the most analyzed pieces of footage to ever be filmed in North America. There have been so many different people from different backgrounds and specialties picking apart this footage and analyzing and just looking for a way to either confirm or deny whether this footage is real. And that's not my expertise, so I can't tell you whether or not this footage is doctored or not. I mean, I do have some knowledge and experience of video editing, but mostly in the digital realm. I'm not super familiar with doctoring of actual film footage, which it would have been back in 1967. With the foot castings that Mr. Crew found in the 1950s, and with this film coming out in the 60s, people were starting to look for Sasquatch and Bigfoot all over North America, and people were starting to report sightings more frequently and in fact sightings continued to just pour in and didn't die down until around the 2000s and like I said personally I haven't had any encounters with Bigfoot and I didn't first hear about Bigfoot until I watched the 1970s film The Legend of Boggy Creek and in this 1972 film it is based in this southern Arkansas town known as Falk, and there's been 250 sightings of this upright creature that's been terrorizing this town, and it's basically a horror movie about Bigfoot, pretty much. And for whatever reason, when I was a kid, me, I can't remember if it was either me or my brother, we picked up that 1972 Legend of Boggy Creek up at Walmart on DVD for like, it was like one of those bargain bin finds, you know, they put in the middle and they just dump all these on clearance DVDs and you just grab whatever. It was one of those and we just happened to grab that one. So that was my first introduction to Bigfoot or Sasquatch was watching that film. And so when you put the pieces together, you had those big foot castings that Mr. Crew found in the 1950s. And then in 1967, you had the Patterson-Gimlin film come out of the actual footage in Northern California. And then in 1972, Hollywood comes out with this Legend of Boggy Creek film. And here's the point of the story where it's starts to become more of a myth and a legend than more of a fact. And then Bigfoot and Sasquatch ends up becoming this big pop 
culture icon that you see today. You know, we've got Jack Link beef jerky. You see all of the gone squatching merchandise that you can get today and all of these reality TV shows that were based upon hunting for Sasquatch and looking for Sasquatch. Now, I'm not trying to talk down about any of these shows or anything and say they're all fake and none of them are true, but this kind of did more harm than good for the legend of Bigfoot. You know, throughout the history of this legend, there's been people trying to lie and create stories and create fake footprints. And with these reality shows coming out looking for Bigfoot, and sometimes they can come off as corny or poorly produced or dramatized. And then it makes it seem crazy when you come out and tell people, you know, I think there is a possibility that Bigfoot could exist. Because then when you tell people that, then they associate you with some of these shows that aren't 100% legitimate or something like that. And the same thing could be said for the paranormal. You know, there's a lot and a lot of paranormal television shows and podcasts and things out there. And unfortunately, there are some bad apples in the bunch that will fake some evidence. And it really is a shame, you know, when we're studying this, we should take a scientific approach. And if we try to investigate something and we get no evidence, well, that should weigh just as heavily as us gaining evidence. You know, if we try to look for Sasquatch for years and years and years and we come up empty every time, well, we should be honest about that instead of saying, actually, we found these footprints, and we create these wooden feet and create these false imprints and create castings of them, and now we at least have a story after looking for years and years. Until we're 100% transparent with the research and our findings, then people in the general public are never going to take topics such as this seriously. So while I was continuing to do research for this episode, I looked up the possibility of there ever being any primates that lived in North America. I looked up the entire history of Earth and I tried to find, is there ever been a time where there were apes or primate-like creatures in this area. Now, please bear in mind that I am not a biologist. This is not my area of expertise. This is just what I found upon my research and internet search to do this episode. But based on my findings, there was actually a time where there was some primates that lived in North America. In fact, this time period stretched from about 56 to 33 million years ago. And I hope I'm saying this right, but this time period is known as the Ocene Epoch. And during this time, greenhouse gases were trapped inside the Earth's atmosphere and caused a heat wave across the entire globe. And this allowed for tropical rainforests to uncover the entire area. And in fact, scientists have even found evidence of palm trees to flourish in places such as Alaska. And this climate change created the perfect tropical environment for these early monkey species to inhabit. 
it was likely that during this time era that the U.S. and Canada was not the monkeyless land that it is known as today. So you may be wondering if there were all this tropical climate and monkeys in North America then, what happened? Well, around 33.9 million years ago, this time era came to an end. And this occurred when an ancient strip of land or ice known as Drake's Passage is thought to have fallen apart. And this is devastating to the climate because Drake's Passage is actually a barrier between the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. So when Drake's Passage falls apart, there's no longer that barrier separating the two oceans allowing the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans to mix together and causing the temperature of the entire globe to cool down and drop a considerable amount. Since these events happened so long ago, it's hard to know for sure exactly what the effects of this were, but it's believed that there were many species of animal that were wiped out because of this dramatic climate change. It's believed that the only species of monkey that survived this dramatic change were the species of monkey that lived close to the equator and still thrive there to this day. I didn't want to get into a big lesson about the history of primates in America, but I did want to shed some light on that, and I thought it would be an interesting point to include that there was actually a time period where there were some primates native to North America and Canada, but there's also a reason why they are no longer found there today. Now, I'm not saying that Bigfoot or Sasquatch is 100% not real. I'm a pretty open-minded person, and I don't think I'm that confident to say that it isn't real. For there to be legends and myths and folk tales across the globe, no matter where you go about these big bipedal ape creatures, it's hard for me to think that everyone made this all up. I do believe that the people that believe in this cryptid and this creature itself gets far too bad of a rap. And I believe that stems from all of the cases of people trying to hoax their way into the spotlight. But hopefully we can settle this discussion once and for all. If you have had a Bigfoot or Sasquatch encounter, or maybe you're unsure of what you encountered in the wilderness or wherever you were, if you've had a strange encounter with some sort of creature, I would love to hear about it. Remember, it doesn't have to be some sort of monster or unexplainable creature you witness in order for it to be paranormal. If you witness an animal that's not native to the area, such as like a big cat or a monkey, it's still paranormal. I absolutely hope to receive some Bigfoot encounter stories from someone listening tonight. Like I said, I personally haven't had an encounter with anything like this, so to hear from one of you all and to hear your story, it would really help me believe and further solidify that this legend is actually true. So like I said, if you have a story to share with me, please call the phone number at 1-270-290-0900. And also, if you would prefer just to send me your story via email, you can do that at experiencesunexplained at gmail.com. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. 
the special episode on Sasquatch. But until next week, you guys, please call in your Sasquatch stories and take care. Thanks, everybody. of being upsold at gyms my guy you're currently a base member for 90 dollars more i can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more you'll be a swole member and for just 300 more you'll reach sweat platinum at planet fitness you'll get energy without the upsell never pushy always free fitness training and equipment for every workout it's fitness that fits your budget join planet fitness for just one dollar down and ten dollars a month cancel anytime deal ends friday may 10th see home club for details